Bibles again to James chapter 1. Verse 15 is our text verse. Uh, Sermons are most often like a road sign along the highway. They give us instruction for where we are in our life right now. They may not last for the whole journey, but they are instruction for where we are right now. We see all kinds of signs along the road. Uh, We'll see yield or stop or road closed or construction ahead or reduced speed or my favorite one is food. Three exits ahead or three miles ahead, but they give us instruction along the way and that's the way sermons are. And tonight I want to preach a message just to ask us all to think about our lives right now as I preach the message entitled, In the End. In the end, notice if you will in verse number 15, when, then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless in power as I preach tonight, I hunger to accomplish your will, I desire to please you first and foremost, I do desire to be a help and a blessing, and Lord I prayed today for children prayed this afternoon, Lord, help the children to listen. I prayed, Lord, for the teenagers and as many of them by name as I could think of. I pray for every teenager to listen, every college student, and certainly all of us as adults need to hear the Spirit of God as the message is given tonight. I pray these things in your name. Amen. One of the great problems we have in life is telling the difference in how we are doing and where we are going. Uh, We get caught up with our location to the place that we don't pay attention uh, to our destination. Uh, We're often tempted by the appearance of how others are doing uh, to the place that we seldom pay attention where others are going. I want to ask you tonight to look at your life. And I want you to think about the decisions that you're making. I want you to think about the direction uh, you're headed. And I I want you to ask yourself, what will be the end of my decision? Uh, What will be the end of my direction? The world is always focused on what our flesh desires And God is always focused on where we are going in life. And regardless of what some may tell you, God wants you to enjoy, to be happy in life and have the joy of the Lord. Uh, To the contrary, the world doesn't care about your future just so they get their payday from you having fun today. The Word of God tells us the end result of many particular behaviors. And our text passage tells us the desire of sin. Our text passage tells us the direction of sin. And our text passage tells us the destiny of sin, which is death. We never know when death is coming. We never know when the end is coming now in our minds. We all imagine ourselves living to be old and very old. We never think about the end could be nearby. And certainly sin and its advertisement never talks about the end or the possibility of life and death. 
Some live in sin for a lifetime before sin takes their life, and some live in sin for a short while and find that sin has taken them to an early grave. Absalom had his eye on the throne. He ended up dead at a young age, hanged by the hair of his head from a mighty oak tree. He looked to see what he wanted and did not pay attention to where he was going. Jezebel went to an unexpected grave. King Herod went to an unexpected early grave as he was gloating in his pride. When he was struck by God and the worms began to eat his flesh in front of all of the people, he died an unexpected, unexpected early death. We don't know when death is going to come. We don't know sin when it will be finished and take our life. Ahab did more to provoke the God of heaven than any other king and the best I can figure. He lived to be 83 years of age. Now some may live long in their sin and some may die early in sin but the desire of sin and the, and the direction of sin and the destiny of sin is always the same no matter how long it takes a person to get there. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 13. We're going to look at several verses tonight. And I'm going to ask you as we go throughout the message, if you look at your direction as to where you're going, are you going to be satisfied with the end result? And I want tonight to get you to think about not how you're doing, but where you're headed, where we're going. I don't want sin to control my life to the place that it brings me to an early death, or I don't want sin to be the end of my life. I want to finish my course in the will of God. It's interesting what these verses say in Genesis chapter 13, if you'll notice beginning in verse number 12. And I think I wrote down the wrong passage of scripture. Uh, let me look at one other passage right here. Genesis chapter... Anyway, it, it, the, verses, the verse that was, I was referring to, I wanted you to see, when God looked down from heaven and it repented God, don't look for it, uh, you can tell me at church where it is, and I'll tell you what it says, then you can tell me at church where it was. But the Bible says that God looked down from heaven and it repented the Lord that he had made man. And the Bible says this, when God saw their end... He proclaimed death on the world. And the Bible went on to say that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But what he saw was a people that were headed for destruction. And he saw their end. He saw that there was no changing. He saw that there was no turning. He saw that there was no repenting. There was no going back. And when God saw their end, he announced the coming world flood. I wonder tonight, what does God see in the end of your current decision? What does God see in the end of your current direction? Or let me get to this point, if I may. Uh, what's going to be the end of our current thoughts that are not yet actions? Uh, what's going to be the end of our current attitude that have not yet 
made decisions, but those decisions are forthcoming because our thinking is not in the way of the Lord. Throughout the Word of God, we find particular sins that God mentions and says, these bring an end and an early death. Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 31. You hear me say this often, but this is the number one addiction in America. This is the number one killer of all deaths in our nation today, and that is death because of alcohol. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 31, Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Notice these three words. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Have you ever studied uh, the striking and the quickness of how fast a snake, a serpent, or an adder is another word for a snake. Adder means poisonous snake. Have you ever seen how quickly they strike? Have you ever studied how quickly? And that's the way alcohol is. Many go along in their life having fun, having a big time, even advertising how wonderful it is. Some would think you can't play a game of football or watch a game of football without drinking alcohol. That's the way it's promoted in our world. And it's so promoted as something good. And then you look at the statistics and how many depths it brings and how often and how much money is spent in advertisement, somebody has to stand up in church and say, hey folks, uh, we need not head in that direction. And the best way to prevent uh, from becoming an alcoholic is making a decision, I'm not going to take the first drink. And I'm going to make a decision as a child, make a decision as a teenager or as an adult. I'm never going to begin the drinking process because sin is never satisfied. And sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. If you study what the sting of an adder does, you'll find descriptions like this. Effects may include shock, severe pain at the location of the bite, swelling, redness and bruising at the location of the bite, nausea and vomiting, itchy lumps on the skin, swelling of the lips, tongue, gums and throat, breathing difficulties, mental confusion, dizziness or fainting, irregular heartbeat. You know, when they advertise medicine, they'll take about 15 seconds to tell you how wonderful the medicine is. Then they got a fellow that can talk 210 miles an hour uh, that warns you of the possible side effects. That's what ought to happen with alcohol. They ought to say, uh, you drink this, and by the way, the side effects could be, and list all of these. And I want to tell you tonight, if you want to head to an early grave, you start hanging around the crowd that's drinking. You start laughing with the crowd that's drinking. For a long, you'll be taking part in the drinking. And at the last, it biteth like a serpent, and it stingeth like an adder. Take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1. I hear some folks thinking right now, I think he said this just a few weeks ago. You're right, I did. I plan to say it again in a few more weeks. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 1. The, the, the number one preventable death in America is alcohol-related deaths. 
And, and, and not only are folks dying of disease because of drinking it, and as I said last Sunday or Sunday before last, a young uh, uh, innocent police officer in Laurel County at age 26, life was taken early because a drunk driver struck his car uh, while he was sitting at an inter intersection. Hey, folks, let's not be a part of that kind of life and let's rear our children to say, uh, by the way, if you're going to watch the alcohol commercials and they don't bother you and you teach your children that it's all right, if it's all right to watch it, then it'd be all right to drink it. I don't need, we need to say, it's not how close we can get to sin, it's how far we can stay away from it. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number one, wine is a mocker. It'll make fun of you. It'll laugh at you. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived, notice the word, thereby is not wise. Look at chapter 23, what the Bible says about alcohol. I got a lot of preaching to do and I've got to move on past this. But I want to make sure that I say what I'm going to say about alcohol. Proverbs 23, look at verse number 29. The Bible says, Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine and heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. That's what alcohol does. It's sin that never satisfies, and sin when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. I want to say number two, the sins of immorality is a way of death. The sins of immorality are the ways of death. How sick it is to see what's promoted by Hollywood and the internet and all of the wickedness that we see that's available on the cell phone and the internet and the television. Look at Proverbs chapter 5 in verse number 3. The ways of immorality are the ways of death. Can I tell you something, young men? God will give you a wife. Young ladies, God will give you a husband. Keep yourself clean. Keep yourself pure. Decide that you're going to enjoy marriage and you're going to enjoy everything that God has for you in marriage. God didn't give uh, uh, instruction and rules and commandments about marriage to keep you from being happy. He give those, gives those to us to help us to enjoy marriage and to enjoy life. Proverbs chapter 5, verse number 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But the end, notice this, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Our nation has given itself over to not only natural immorality, but unnatural immorality, and all of it ends in death. The crowd that's promoting immorality in the name of love, they don't understand what love is, and they don't understand what life is about, and they're rejecting and denying the word of God. And I'm telling you tonight what the Bible says, immorality is a way of death. Young ladies, keep yourself clean and pure until you're married and save yourself for your husband. Young men, keep yourself clean and pure and save yourself for the wife that God has prepared for you. 
the immoral may live in immorality until old age they might, but it will still end in death. We're reminded of God's destruction of Sodom and why he destroyed it because of the wicked immorality of the day. I'll say it again. I have been in many places of sickness and dying and I'm yet to see anyone enjoying the process of dying and death and this, uh, this infatuation with death and this false promotion that the world is giving. I want to tell you something. Halloween just about made me sick this year to see all of the promotion of death like that's some kind of a, uh, like that's some kind of a fun thing. I haven't found anybody that's enjoying dying. I haven't found anybody that's saying, well, I just can't wait for death. You know, I've just been waiting for this. No, sir, that's not the way it is. And we need to understand that the sin of immorality is a way of death. Let me give you the third one. Dishonesty is a way of death. Dishonesty. I want you to take your Bible to the book of Jeremiah chapter 17. I ask you the question tonight. I ask you the question. If you keep with your decisions that you've made about life right now, where will they end? Where will they end? I'm not asking how you're doing. I'm asking where you're going. If you stay with the direction that you are in life, if you keep your attitude that you have toward God, if you keep the attitude that you have toward the Bible, where's it going to end? I'm not talking about are you having fun tonight. I'm not talking about are you living in pleasure tonight. I'm asking you the question, where does it end? Where does the attitude end? I want to have an attitude that's pleasing to God. I want to have actions that's pleasing to God and that end in a life of joy and gladness. By the way, I'm already there at the place of joy and gladness and I want to stay there and I don't want to change my direction. And notice Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Notice this. As the partridge sitteth on eggs and hatcheth them not, so he that getteth riches and not by right shall leave them in the midst of his days and at his end shall be a fool. Have you ever studied about that partridge the Bible is talking about there? By the way, he begins by saying the heart is, is, is deceitful above all things. You know what he's saying? You can't live life by your emotions and feelings. You have to live life by what's right according to the word of God. We don't say, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. It doesn't matter if I see anything wrong with it or not. If God does, it's wrong. I, I don't understand it. don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand it. I just have to understand what God says about it. Now, the partridge is a bird uh, that lays uh, its uh, eggs in, uh, in a small hole in the sand. And, of course, the partridge is other birds. They sit on the eggs uh, for a certain amount of time. They have to keep them at a certain temperature until those eggs hatch. Uh, but the uh, partridge is a skittish, fearful bird. And if anything comes around them, they're startled and they'll flee and they'll abandon their eggs. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around chickens that raised uh, 
uh, that, that had baby chickens. It was one of the most beautiful things and things I enjoyed growing up. My grandmother always had uh, chickens, and then as I got older, I got my own chickens, and I, I loved to raise baby chickens, and, and it, it was just a, just a beautiful thing to see it work, and, and it was a beautiful thing to see a hen that she'd be gone for a while, and after uh, three weeks or four weeks, uh, she would come back, and those little uh, doodles, we called them doodles. I don't know if that's the right name for them. It was where I grew up, and uh, little baby chicks, and they'd follow that mother hen. You know that picture, have you seen that? You want to get in a fight, you try to mess with a chicken's eggs, especially a banny uh, chicken. A banny chicken, I believe, is part crow, just a little black chicken. There's not a lot of meat to it, but, but, but they're good fighters. Now, I never did fight them. They did down in Harlan County where Brother Davis is from. <laughs> And you want to ask about that, ask him. Uh, but I, we ate ours. And, uh, but anyway, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to confess your sins. You can do your own after church. And, uh, uh, but, 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 but if you want to get in a fight, uh, you get around them banning chickens. Buddy, they'll come after you. They'll get you. A partridge isn't like that. A partridge is a bird that's a skittish bird. And uh, it gets scared off easily. And if they don't lay their eggs in a very private, secluded place, uh, they, they'll leave their eggs, and, and they're known for that, but they'll come back to their eggs. But if they've been gone a day, it doesn't matter. Once those eggs get cold, it doesn't matter. They have to keep them warm for that amount of time for them to, uh, for them to hatch, for those chickens to develop in that egg. And he said, if you get wealth by dishonesty, and you think you're going to keep it, and you think you're going to enjoy it. You're like the partridge that sits on eggs that are already rotted or already ruined. You're not going to enjoy it. And I want to tell you, we've got a major problem in America with dishonesty. Major problem. There are many stores, in fact, in 2019, 2018, there was a 50 billion, 50 B billion dollar loss in retail stores from thieves. 2019, $61 billion. 2020, it went down because the stores were closed. We're back now past that $61 billion mark, and that doesn't count the groups, the organized crime that has come in to break the windows and to destroy the stores. I'm talking about just in the shoplifting category. Now, I want to tell you, our nation cannot survive dishonesty. We, we need to learn in, in childhood as a toddler and in kindergarten and in grade school that if something doesn't belong to us, we're not supposed to put our hands on it. We're not supposed to take it. Now, he talks about in the end this being destruction. It's sad that we have a major problem with dishonesty from the schoolhouse to the White House. Now, folks, it's a way of death. This idea of saying, well, they do it, I might as well do it. I don't know about you, but if folks are on the pathway to death, I'm not going to join them because they're having a good time. I'm going to pay attention where they're going, not just how they're doing. 
Listen to me. We can't live our lives compared thinking others are doing better than we are. That's not a standard for life. That's not a compass for life. The standard and the compass for life is this old book right here. Our nation was founded by men who believed in honesty and they gave and they, and they lived and they taught. They gave their fortunes for the freedom of our country. We must have a revival in honesty again. Worldly pleasure ends in death. 1 Timothy 5, 6, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Take your Bibles go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just preaching a simple sermon, just one little sign along the highway of life tonight just to say that don't just look to see how you're doing. Look to see where you're going and is your life on the pathway of life or is your life on the pathway of death? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 14. Let's go down and begin in verse number 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Here he's talking about saved and unsaved, and Gentile is referring to unconverted. And he's saying to those that have been born again, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about we were dead in trespasses and sins, but we're saved by the grace of God. And at salvation we become a new creature in Christ, and this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth, or from this point forward, from salvation forward, that we not walk as Gentiles walk, how do they walk? In the vanity of their mind. They, they chase what they think. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. But ye have not so learned Christ. You didn't learn that behavior from Christ. Verse 21, If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Worldly pleasure ends in destruction. Don't chase worldly pleasure. There was a day America rested to work. Now the idea is I work so I can play. That's a faulty premise that doesn't bring satisfaction. The satisfaction of life is for a man to work and to achieve and to earn and worldly pleasure and seeking the pleasures of the world brings destruction I thank God tonight that we can go home on a Sunday night weary, yes, tired, yes, but we can look back and say thank God for every boy and girl, every teenager, every man and woman that bowed their head this week and trusted Christ as Savior. It wasn't easy driving the bus, but thank God I drove the bus, I sang in the choir, I served as an usher, I worked in the nursery. It's been worth it all. That's what makes life worth living. The ways of man end in death. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Some religion is the way of man. 
some directions of life are what seems right to a man. May I say tonight, let's not live life in what seems right. Let's live life according to the word of God. That's pretty simple preaching tonight, ain't it? But we need somebody to stand up and hold up the Bible and say, let that be your standard. Let that be your guide right there. You're going to hear a lot of advertisement all week. You're going to hear it everywhere you turn. You're going to see sin advertised like it's good and fun and right. And it's not. It's the way of death. The way of life is the way of right. Now take your Bibles and go to James chapter 1. I want you to look at it again. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let's decide tonight. I'm living in the way of life. I want to stay in the paths of life. Now there may be a few around you get your attention because they're laughing and because they're, they're bragging about what's going on in their life but they're not paying attention to what's ahead. The whole purpose of my message tonight is to say to every little girl and every little boy and every teenager and every man and woman, don't be enticed by the world. Don't let your lust uh, lead you to where it wants to go. You put your body under subjection, as Paul said, and you decide, I'm going to live my life to the word of God. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that 